Check, check, mic check. Check, check, mic check. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast Envy. I'm your podcast boss, Andrea Clunder, and today we are continuing our series on podcasting and imposter syndrome. And my guest today, really, probably, if you've been around the podcasting block, needs no introduction. Today I have with me Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting, and I don't actually even know how many other podcasts Dave currently or previously has done, but I'm sure you can find all of them (laughs) linked up in the show notes for this episode at podcastenvy.com and in the show notes description. If you're listening to this in real time, Dave has just been inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame, and in fact, that is what inspired our conversation today. Dave Jackson, thank you so much for being on Podcast Envy today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So Dave, for those who don't know this already, is a legend in the podcasting space. How long have you been podcasting? So I always feel like it should be like an old man voice back in 2005. So yeah, 13 years. Is that pre-iPhone? That is pre-iPhone, pre-iTunes. That was the fun part because... I would go around and be like, hey, do you listen to podcasts? And of course, nobody knew what I was talking about. And then it was like, do I need an iPod to listen to one of those? I'm like, no, you just need an internet connection. So it was painful the first couple of years. That's what I always say is I feel like it's sort of like BC and AD, but it's like before (laughs) iPhone, after iPhone. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. I had this little MP3 player that was the size of my thumb. I used a program called Juice. It had a big picture of a lemon on it. And you would download the stuff and then you'd have to plug in your little MP3 player and you would drag the files and drop them onto this little icon and then you could take it with you. And then you'd listen to the whatever five podcasts that you had and you'd be out in the middle of nowhere and go, oh, I'm out of podcasts. And you'd go, oh, I got to go home and get more. So, yeah, (laughs) when the iPhone came along, it was like, hallelujah. Okay, so you started podcasting when most people had not a clue what on earth a podcast was. How did you get into it? I was doing a newsletter for musicians and I was putting audio on the internet. So there was no RSS feed, there was no subscribing, but already I was starting to see just having a tone of voice made your content better. And I had a friend of mine that had gone to this big marketing summit and he said, hey, and of course this dates me. He goes, you know how you missed the MySpace boat? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't rub it in. And he said, the next big thing is podcasting. And I go, what's a podcasting? And I remember (laughs) I Googled it and there was a page and a half. That was it of results. And once I finally pieces parted together an RSS feed and I threw my MP3 file up on a website and then saw it come down in the software, I went, oh, oh, I see what this does. And from there, I was just hooked. You were always into tech stuff then or? Yeah. My background is I have a degree in electronics engineering. I actually was a copier technician, but I fell into the training department by accident. And so I was teaching people, again, this makes me sound ancient. I was teaching people how to surf the internet and how to send email and, you know, Lycos and Hotbot. And that sounds really weird before Google. Did you ever have a GeoCities? I remember GeoCities. (laughs) And uh, yeah, Prodigy was my internet connection, all that fun stuff. So yeah, I just was always kind of a, a geeky stuff. And I just loved learning technology and just helping people. My first training gig, I would go out to offices and teach people how to run their copier equipment. And so it was just always a matter of seeing somebody going, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, oh, it's easy. Let me show you how to do this, this and that. And so that just kind of led to to podcasting. And my three big itches, I'm a musician as well. So podcasting is, it's creative, 
it's geeky, and then I get to help people. So it scratched about every itch I have. So that's one of the things that's interesting about what you do is you are not only a podcaster, not just a mere podcaster, but you also help other people, tons and tons of other people to podcast, to get their show started and also to improve on their current podcast. So tell me a little bit about School of Podcasting. Yeah, it's funny because I started it for the exact reason I tell people never start a podcast. And that was I had just gone through a divorce. I was (laughs) bankrupt and I lost my job Mm. and I was like, hmm, okay. And I needed to go back to school actually because I didn't have a teaching degree. I had been teaching people for 10 years, but I didn't have the degree. So I decided to go back to school to get a teaching degree. And I'm like, I need something that has flexible time and can, you know, just a little bit of income. And so I started the school of podcasting to make money, which, which was a horrible idea at the time, because again, people are going, do I need an iPod for that? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> they don't even know what it is. And I'm trying to teach them how to do it. So I did things like I edited audio. I did guitar lessons. I did anything I could to kind of keep myself in books and cell phones and things like that. So yeah, so it started there in 2005. And then just over the years, for a while, I had the the bad reputation of the good news is it had everything you need. The bad news is it had everything you need. There were, I had too much stuff in it. Mm. So after talking to some of my students, they're like, look, just give us like a small, medium and large. Don't just give like, here's every tool on the planet with a tutorial on that you can use. And so I had to figure out, okay, if you're on a really tight budget, follow this. If you're on a medium sized budget, follow this path. And if you budget is no hurdle, then by all means, go this route. So uh, it's been kind of fun over the years and and we've added things like Facebook groups and live coaching and all sorts of fun stuff. So it's always evolving, much like podcasting. And your show is also the school of podcasting, right? Yeah, that's something that in terms of lessons, I thought it'd be cute. And I called it the morning announcements. Get it? It's the school of podcasting. (laughs) And finally, after 500 episodes, I finally just changed the name because nobody called it the morning announcements. They all called it the school of podcasting. (laughs) So I always tell people, don't get cute with your name. Stick with the obvious and, and that'll work. That is true. I remember in college, this is sort of a tangent. I worked at a coffee shop. There was this really like cool independent coffee shop in town that everyone wanted to work at. And I eventually worked there. But first, before I got hired there, they had opened an experimental ice cream shop, sort of like on the corner walk up window. And they were serving gelato before anyone in West Michigan knew what gelato was (laughs) and shaved Italian ice with this fancy machine that the owner had imported from Italy. It was like ridiculous for West Michigan. And he originally opened this ice cream shop and refused to give it a sign And he was trying to be clever and he wanted people to refer to it as that ice cream shop on the corner. Right. But instead, nobody really knew what it was. Like, nobody knew it was an ice cream shop. They're like, I don't know what that place is. (laughs) It didn't really work that well. (laughs) So, yeah, clear, not clever. Yes. (laughs) So we are part of this mini series that I am doing on imposter syndrome and podcasting. And you seemed to think that this was the perfect topic to discuss right now. Tell me why. Well, there are a couple. The first one is I'm lucky enough in a couple of weeks, I'm being inducted into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. See, legend. <laughs> and that really messed with my head. Like uh, a friend of mine calls me up and gives me the news. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then I went to record my next episode and like all of a sudden I just could not focus. 
And I'm like, what is going on here? And like in my head, I'm like, is this Hall of Fame material? You're a Hall of Fame podcaster now, you know? And it was just like, mm. and I literally recorded the same episode four times mm-hmm. because I was getting all nostalgic because I wanted to talk about the fact that this was happening and I'm, I'm digging out old clips from like, you know, 2005 just to show how bad I was and all this like stuff. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. And to me, there's a, a great book called The Dynamics of Effective Communication. I think it's the name of it. It's a big yellow book, Ken Davis. And he says that most presentations should be able to be dialed down to one sentence. Hmm. So like I did a thing at Podcast Movement that said all podcasts can benefit from editing. And then everything, every bullet point of that presentation reinforced that one point. Hmm. And so I was like, okay, what am I trying to say here? And most of it didn't fit with all the stuff I was doing. And so the other thing was, I just was like, wait a minute, they're getting you in here because you are being you. And I said, so now you're trying to think you have to do something different because you've won this title now. And I'm like, just be you. And the other thing I had to focus on was, I always say, when you really start to freak out, think about one person. Because in reality, until people start, you know, let's all gather around the Amazon Alexa and listen to podcasts. (laughs) Uh, People are listening in their earbuds last year where I said, wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this, to please just take a picture and send it to me. So I have a bunch of pictures on my wall behind me of all my listeners. So I'm thinking about Ken Blanchard and Steve Stewart and Glenn the Geek and all these people. I'm like, let's just think about those guys, forget about all this stuff and just do what you do. And so that kind of talked me off the ledge. Are you giving a talk at Podcast Movement separate from the awards? Yeah, I'm doing one with Jeff from Lead to Read and we're doing about how to start off your podcast more or less in the right direction. And in other words, your intro Because a lot of people, you know, we all have the attention span of an at at this point. And it's just, you need to get to the point, let people know, you know, you need to hook them in, for lack of a better phrase. And so we're going to talk about that. Jeff's got 30 years in radio. So he's got all sorts of tricks under his bag. And then I've got my, I'm bringing my 13 years and we're going to help you create a really great first two minutes of your podcast. Have you started working on your speech for the Hall of Fame Awards induction ceremony? Yeah. And here's the fun part take 13 years and boil it down to five minutes. (laughs) And the first time I wrote out my first draft and I wasn't even done with it yet. It was like halfway through. And I was like, well, let's see where we're at. And I I'm reading it out loud and I look down, I'm at nine minutes and I'm like, I'm not even (laughs) done with the speech. And I'm I'm like, okay. So what I finally did, because this literally was causing me to lose lots of sleep, I would wake up at four and I would just start, maybe I could say this, or I need to thank this person. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that. And I said, okay, this isn't going to work. This is an impossible feat because what I don't want to do is be boring. And in a way, and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but I'm five minutes, I'm going to be boring because if I just thank the people who have helped me and given me opportunities, that's five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Yeah. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to announce that this is the radio edit version of the speech when I get up there. And I say, if you want to hear the extended dance version, and then I'll have some sort of website because I want to tell stories of the good old days and, <laughs> and the mistakes I've made. You know, I want to sit back and you know, sit around and listen to grandpa talk about the good old, you know, kind of thing. And you just can't do that in five minutes. So, and plus I want to do something somewhat inspirational. And I was like, okay, so something's got to go. So I'm not even going to like start thanking friends. I'm going to thank people who have given me opportunities. Cause if I mention one friend, that's not a road I can go down because then I'm going to, I'm going to want to list 400 and that just isn't going to work in five minutes. Yeah. And it's interesting because you are someone who you've done a lot of talks of different lengths and spoken at a lot of conferences. Do you know how many conferences you've spoken at? I don't. I've hit every podcast movement. I've done two DC PodFests, three PodFests in Florida, 
three or four podcast mid Atlantic. And then there's a, like I've done things for book events. I've done a bunch of local things here in Ohio. So yeah, 20 we'll say. Yeah. I was going to say, because I started going to podcast conferences the year that podcast movement was in Chicago. So this will be my third podcast movement. And I've been to Podfest in Florida twice. And every conference, Dave Jackson is on the stage. <laughs> there he is. Can't rid- get rid of that guy. So. Exactly. So it's interesting that, you know, sometimes we see somebody who is very visible and is presenting a lot and has a certain confidence and polish to what they're presenting. And we think, oh, if only I could be as calm and confident as this person is and to know that you still have this battle almost in your head of coming up with the right content and shaping it and making sure the timing is right and waking up in the middle of the night with your mind just fixated (laughs) how to make this happen. I remember when I started, my first podcast was for musicians. It was just an extension of my newsletter. And there's a guy named Bob Baker, who's like the godfather of all music marketing. And so I had all these people saying, well, you should start a newsletter. I'm like, well, that's already covered. Just read Bob's. You know, they're like, no, but you have good stuff. You just made this blog post and this and that. And so I actually started a podcast. And one of my first guests was Bob Baker, the godfather of music marketing. And I asked him, I go, like, how did you become like an expert? And he said, oh, that's easy. I just donned myself an expert. (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, just think of like a magic wand and just tap yourself on the head and go, I'm an expert. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of did. And the other thing with my teaching background, there were times when I'd be teaching a class that was not my favorite. So like I was not a big fan of Microsoft Access, but yet I got to teach those classes. And I remember the one day I was teaching like an upper level one. And my boss said, look, don't freak out. He goes, just remember, you just have to know more than your students. He goes, you don't have to know everything about everything. You just have to know more than your students and your students don't know anything. So you're fine. And I was like, that's a good point. Yeah. At some point in time, I heard that definition of an expert is just simply someone who knows more about a particular topic than someone else. And I was like, oh, really? That's it? That's it. (laughs) Well, it goes back to the old analogy of again, being a musician, if you sing in your range, right? If you have like a four note range and it's from here hmm, to here, hmm, you stay in that range. People think you have an endless range. You can, that guy can sing anything. Mm. But the minute you sing out of it, they go, oh no, he doesn't. Mm. So if you stay in your lane, for lack of a better phrase, people think you're awesome. Going back to the imposter syndrome thing at the very beginning, you said that there was two things that came to mind and one was the Hall of Fame induction. And what was the second one? The other one was the Bob Baker factor. Ah, That's what I I thought. I wanted to make sure. But yeah, when I was starting, I was like, well, why would anyone listen to me? I mean, you would just go listen to Bob. I mean, what's the point of that? Because he had started this newsletter and he said, well, I had worked for a magazine company. So I knew a little bit about writing and I was in a band. So that's how I became this marketing guru. And I was like, well, I've done that. I was the editor of the student newsletter in my college and I played in a band. So I had the same kind of credentials in a way. And I just went, okay, I guess we'll give this a shot. And then you're always surprised when you go, well, wait a minute. People are actually subscribing to my newsletter. People are actually downloading my podcast. This is really bizarre. The thing that really got me hooked in to podcasting and I went, oh, wow, I'm okay. It's it's like, you just know you're addicted is my first voicemail came from Michael Van Lahr of Nuremberg, Germany. And I remember at the time I was living in the lovely metropolis of Magador, Ohio, which basically (laughs) is out where the cows are. And I'm in my brother's basement next to the water heater. 
And I, I remember because I played it and it's like, hey, Dave, this is Michael Van Laar from Nuremberg, Germany. I just hit stop. And I literally almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, did he just say Germany? Mm. And I hit it again. Hey, Dave, this is Michael. I'm like, he, he said Nuremberg, Germany. I'm like, there's some guy on the other side of the planet is listening to my podcast and he likes it. This is amazing. And that's when I just went, oh, you know, it's one of those things where you go, yeah, it's a global thing. But all of a sudden when you get proof, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Now I'm in. It's really mind blowing how far it can reach and how powerful it is. I mean, you can make podcasting as simple or as complicated as you want to make it, but the bare bones of it are quite simple. And to have such a powerful medium that can extend so far is totally mind blowing. Yeah, it is. And you don't realize it until I'm sure you get this when you go to events and people come up and they go, oh, oh my gosh, Andrea, I listen to your show. I love it. And it's weird because they know you, but you don't know them just because that's <laughs> the nature of the beast. And they go, remember that time in episode 12? And you're like, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. And they're <laughs> quoting episode 12 to you. And you're like, oh, thank you so much for listening. It's it's kind of a bizarre experience. But on the other hand, I've never met a listener that I didn't like because you attract people that are like you. Yeah, that's really interesting, too. Do you find with the people who come for School of Podcasting training and coaching, do you find that they usually find your show first or at least listen to your show before they sign up to work with you? Or do you find it the other way around? They sign up to work with you and then they start listening to the show. It's very much the first one. I had a guy today that said, I found your show and you were talking about this subject and I just realized that you just saved me 50 bucks. So I'm going to take that money that I saved. And that's why I joined your website. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And I remember one guy called me up and he said, hey, Dave, I just drove from Minnesota to like Tennessee. He goes, I've been listening to you for like 18 straight hours. And I go, man, that is a lot of Dave. And he goes, but I know one thing, I'm starting a podcast and I'm starting it with you. And I was like, well, that was an easy cold call. Right. You know, so you build that whole no like and trust value just from putting it out there. So your podcast becomes like a giant business card. Yeah, because I also do some launch coaching and yeah. podcast editing services. And the first client that I ever had, she had found me through my podcast. She was in California and I'm in Chicago. And we got on the phone together to talk about whether working together would be right. And I had not at that point coached anyone. So I still kind of was in that I don't know if I know what I'm talking about. I don't know how to do this, but we're going to figure it out because someone is willing to give me money to show them how to do this. That's it. And we started talking and we just had this great conversation and we connected immediately like we'd been friends forever. And I said, how did you even find my show? She's like, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, she said, I think maybe I was looking for shows about meditation and then I stumbled across this and then I kind of got led over here and then iTunes recommended this. And then yeah. I don't know, but I feel like I've known you forever. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. What I get the same way. If I listen to a podcast and somebody actually mentions my name, I get giddy. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Dave Jackson. I'm like, oh, they, they said my name. You know, so it's always <laughs> funny when that kind of stuff happens. And then when I get to meet people at conferences and I'm like, oh. One of the things I got to do last year was I got to induct Dan Class, who does a show called The Bitterest Pill, into the Hall of Fame. Right. And the only reason that happened was I'm a huge fan of his show. He doesn't do it as often as he used to, but it, it was just always fun to listen to his antics. And so I heard he was getting inducted. And I know the guy's a podcast movement. I said, hey, feel free to tell me no. But is there any way I can induct that guy in? I said, because I know his entire backstory and this and that. And they're like, OK, <laughs> so it doesn't hurt to ask. You never know. But when I actually got to meet him, and I'd met him before in the past, but I just sat there and completely fanboyed out for a good 30 minutes. And again, I'm doing the same thing. Remember back in episode four? And he's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> Not a clue. Yeah. <laughs> 
today's podcast angel, of course, is Lipson. Why? Because Dave works for Lipson. And because if you're listening to this in real time, we are currently at Podcast Movement in Philadelphia. Woohoo! And Lipson is, of course, a sponsor of Podcast Movement. And that is one reason that I recommend Lipson as your podcast host, because they are so involved and supportive in the podcaster community. I enjoy the quirkiness of everyone who works there, Dave, Elsie, Rob, and everyone else. And I appreciate their support in podcasting. So if you want a reliable, knowledgeable, supportive, present hosting company for your show, I recommend you go over to Libsyn.com and plug in the promo code NV so that you can get your first month free and I can get a little something something to thank me for referring you. Okay, so some short answers here. And these are questions that have come up when people have talked to me about podcasting or things that come up on a regular basis. So I figured I would take advantage of your expertise here on the show. Yeah. Where did you get the cover art for your show? Boy, talk about I don't know. Somebody designed (laughs) it. I know I went to some website that was like, you know, $30 for a logo or something like that. This was before Fiverr even. So I, if somebody said, I want to go back and contact that, I have no clue where it came from. <laughs> I actually want to get a new one. That's something I've been thinking about because the little microphone on the side does not look good on a t-shirt. Where would you start to look for a new cover art? I just had one designed from Kappa 99, which mm-hmm. is kind of a bizarre name. It's one of these places where you go in and the idea is you can spend a lot of money and have endless images and things like that. They're made for like small businesses that want to have a graphic department, but can't afford it. Mm. But if you look, they can also, they'll do one job for 50 bucks. And I was like, Hmm, that might be something I look at. I have also used podcastdesigns.com in the past. Becky and her team over there do really good work. That's usually where I go to. I just happen to play with Kappa 99 because somebody said, what do you think of these guys? And I'm like, I've never used them. I guess I'll find out. Theme music. Where did your theme music come from? Theme music came from a website called Sound Dogs. And they had a scratch and dent or something like that. And this was where I actually bought a CD. I think it was called Power Funk. (laughs) And it was, you know, the right kind of license where I could use it in pretty much whatever I wanted. And so I bought that and I've used it in a number of, because there's like five or six songs on there and they have like a two minute version and a 30 second version and a 15 second version. That's pretty cool. I've also used Mm audiojungle.net and I found a trick over there. If you only need like 30 seconds, search for the phrase logo because apparently there are such things as audio logos. Right. And they're like $7 versus 30 for a whole song. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And I have yet to use them. But a friend of mine just told me about MelodyLoops.com, which is a bizarre place because you go in, I think it's $30. But what's interesting is you can go in, let's say I do my voiceover intro and it's 28 seconds. And I'm like, okay, I need this to be 35 because I want to have a little fade out time. I can go to Melody Loops and go, okay, I like this song make it 35 seconds and it's somehow, you know, and then you go, well, I'm going to do a mid roll ad and that's 60 seconds. Okay. I need a 60 second version and then I need a 12 second version. It's kind of a bizarre little concept, but from what I understand, you pay once for the song and then you just go back and say, okay, now give me a two minute and 36 second version. Bizarre. Yeah, Yeah, that's something that I do manually for myself and for clients in my editing software. Interesting. What is your biggest strength as a podcaster? I think at this point, just the ability to not worry about trying something new. Mm -hmm. Because if they don't like it, they'll let you know and then you just don't do it again. 
And when I was teaching, I didn't coin the phrase, but I love it. But I always try to do edutainment Mm -hmm. because I had a, a little niece who could already do her ABCs and one, two, threes at age three because she was using this program on a computer called Roger Rabbit Teaches Reading. Oh and she'd be in there laughing and, <laughs> and just having a good old blast. And I'm like, what is she doing? She's like, check this out. And she, and I'm like, this kid's like spooky smart. She graduated early from high school. And I just went, hmm, if you can make education fun, it doesn't seem like school. Mm-hmm. So I've always tried to crack jokes and things like that. So I think that along with my teaching background, I, I'm pretty good at coming up with an analogy that'll get the light bulb to come on. Is there anything that you dislike about podcasting? I think like everybody else, show notes. (laughs) That's a popular answer. Yeah. I have done something different, though. I would write down my bullet points of what I want to say. I would record it. And then after it's all done and edited, and as I'm uploading it, I would listen to it and type up my show notes based on what I just said in the show. I now reverse that. I type up my show notes first. And Mm. the reason I do that is because time and time again, as I'm listening to the finished show... I'd go, oh, you know what? I should have said this. Mm. Oh, you know what? I should have said that. Oh, I, mm, that would have been a good time to mention this. So by doing my show notes first, which is basically a blog post and the way I do show notes, it fleshes out the idea better. And now I can go and get my bullet points and do a better show. So I know that you recently posted a poll on Facebook in one of the groups about whether people do or don't actually ever go back to show notes for shows that they're listening to, four episodes they're listening to. And how would you summarize the results from that little informal poll? Well, the fun thing was, of course, I'm asking podcasters. That's the thing. And I kept telling them, I'm like, put your listener hat on, not your podcast hat. And it turned out that only 38% were looking at show notes Mm -hmm. and 62% were not. And so to me, this is one of those areas where podcasting, they always say there are no rules. And that is true. I think there are best practices. But if you're really going bonkers with your show notes, most people are just looking for links Mm -hmm. and enough information to decide, should I listen to this or not? Yeah. So if you wanted bare bones show notes, that would be it. I'm curious because I used to do more in-depth show notes and then I scaled mine way back because I also don't love doing them. And I didn't want that to be the thing that was tripping me up. And I've heard some people say, oh, but we need more keywords in there for SEO because we're putting it on our website as a blog post. Do you think that that's, I mean, I have no statistical information to know whether that is a legit valid strategy slash concern. Do you think SEO for the blog post on your website is warranting the detailed bullet pointed time stamped kind of show notes? Yeah. Right now I'm, I'm actually taking a class on SEO from Yoast, which is a, oh a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in his plugin, he says Google needs at least 300 words to get their teeth into something. So I always tell people, if you really hate show notes, try to spit out 300 words. It's really not that much. It sounds like a lot. But by the time you put in who was on your show, if there was a guest and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And here are the bullet points of what we talked about. You're usually at 300 words. And then keywords and stuff. I am definitely now looking into because the more I learn SEO, the more I'm like, ooh, I should have been focused on this a little more because I found out like you shouldn't try to rank for the same exact keywords on multiple hosts because Google comes to your website and goes, oh, there's two. Which one should we go to? And then they kind of do both poorly. And Uh I was like, hmm. So there's a whole strategy that I'm learning about SEO. I'm not a fan of transcripts. I know a lot of people love transcripts, Mm -hmm. but when I see them, because you don't talk like you write, we don't write like we talk. 
when I go to read them, I'm like, oh, my brain is like, wait, what? <laughs> so I'm not a huge fan of that. I get the point, but that's one of those like, hey, if one vitamin is good, I'll take 10. And it's like, no, not not really. Yeah. And I think sometimes transcripts are kind of the the multivitamin. Let's take 50 at a time. And I'm not sure that's a great strategy. I think the jury's still out on that, but the transcription services love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in your vast experience of podcasting pre-iPhone era, what is a highlight that you can think of from your podcasting career? The one that takes my breath away, even when I think about it, is I could give you a bunch, but this is the one that I'm like, wow, I did not expect this, is I got an email from a guy that said, hey, I just want to let you know I found your show and it really saved my life. And, you know, people say that and you're like, okay. And he goes, my best friend of like 20 years had just died. He goes, I thought I had cancer and I lost my job. And he goes, and my favorite day of the year is Halloween. And I decided that on Halloween of 2017, I was going to blow my brains out. And he goes, but I heard your show and I heard you say that sometimes if you start a podcast, it can kind of give your life a little purpose. And he goes, and I really like my job. He was another trainer. And he goes, so I started a podcast to help people. And I just want to let you know, I'm not going to kill myself. He goes, obviously, if I was thinking that there's some things I should probably work through here. He goes, but I just want to say thank you for saving my life. And it's hard to make me speechless, but that one made me do two things. It made me shut up and it made me cry because it's just me in front of a microphone. You know, I'm just trying to help people with a podcast. I'm not trying to save anybody's life. And that was like, holy cow. And the great thing is I know him now. I actually called him on Halloween because he had his phone number in his email signature. So I called him on Halloween and I'm like, hey, is this you? And he's like, yeah, who's this? I go, this is Dave Jackson. He's like, get out. And I'm like, it is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just making sure you're still here. And he goes, no, I told you I'm fine. And I've got to meet him at PodFest. He's a great guy. And that was something that I just was like, whoa. Wow, yeah. I've been hired by different companies at times. You know, I got to be the director of podcasting for the New Media Expo before the owner of that event steered it right into the wall. You know, all sorts of fun stuff like that. But that the, the whole, hey, you saved my life. It's hard to top that one. Yeah. And that's, again, if you go back to imposter syndrome, you're sitting here thinking, well, who would listen to me? Mm-hmm. And you're like, you could really impact somebody's life in a way that you never saw. Mm-hmm. I do a weight loss show, which is hilarious because I'm not losing any weight. I've done it for <laughs> like six years. I lose weight and then I gain weight and then I lose weight. It should be called the Dave's Yo-Yo Show. Right. Except no one would be looking for yo-yos yeah, in podcasting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'd be people like, is it a Duncan? What kind of yo-yo is it? Yeah. And I did a episode once. I said, don't worry about losing 100 pounds. Just focus on losing 10 pounds and then do it 10 times. And I got an email from somebody about seven months later, like, hey, I did it. I'm like, what'd you do? And they're like, I lost 100 pounds. I'm like, you are kidding me. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I said, I haven't lost any weight. So it's just me and a microphone, at, you know, sometimes in the basement, sometimes in a spare bedroom. But you got to be careful in a way because this thing's powerful. What's your worst podcasting moment or biggest podcasting fail? It was my birthday. And this is when Kindles were brand new and they were like hundreds of dollars. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try something because, again, I'm not afraid to try something new. And so I recorded this whole episode and it was like, hey, it's Dave's birthday. If you'd like to contribute, you know, click the PayPal button, blah, blah, blah. And I schedule it to go out on Monday. And I forget where it was. You remember there was a big tsunami. I don't remember what country it was in. Oh, yes. There's this big tsunami. All these people die. It's horrendous. And everybody's like, you know, donate to the Red Cross and oh, donate. No. Help these poor people. And then here comes Dave. Hey, it's my birthday. I need money for a Kindle. Oh my God. And it was just like, oh, that was just, no, this is, I was like, I should have recorded something else or put that out or something like that. 
and somebody left me a review. They, they're like, okay, this guy's an idiot. Oh, <laughs> He's no. a bad episode for a bad blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll do that again. I think next time I'll have another show in the can that I can put up or whatever. Just edit that one out. It was just one of those where it's like, yeah, you know, so. And then I, I think I ended up with like $11 towards the Kindle. So, <laughs> so that was a, that was a pretty big fail. I could go on a half hour on that. I've, I've got example after example. <laughs> you can do a spinoff podcast of yeah. <laughs> Dave Jackson's biggest podcast fails. Yeah. Don't do a podcast on a dare. That's a bad idea. You know, there's just all sorts of things I could do. <laughs> What's your dream for the future Hall of Fame? Where do you go from here? <laughs> I guess at this point, I just want the same thing I've always been doing. You know, when it comes to growing your podcast, it's a matter of figuring out who your audience is, going to where they are, listening to what they're saying, and then make a podcast about whatever they're talking about, and then just lather, rinse, repeat, 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 repeat. So the good news is, you know, every number of the, the listeners are going up. And when people say, what is podcasting needs? You know, they go, do we need a new app? Do we need, you know, Google has Google podcast now. And, you know, do we need this? Or there's a discovery problem. I'm like, no, what we really need are more listeners. Mm-hmm. We, we need people that are listening to podcasts to go to their friend and go, hey, let me show you how to subscribe to a podcast. Because we've got 42 million people listening. There's a whole lot more people than 42 million that could listen. So I was excited to hear that, you know, there's now the Google podcast app and it's you know, it's pretty bare bones as an app, but it's a start. But I'll be very happy when I see the Google commercial that says, we've got podcast now. That's what I would love to see an, an Apple or a Google app, some sort of commercial on the Super Bowl or, you know, mm-hmm. during American Idol, something to go, hey, this is what you're missing over here. Because I, I really think that's the biggest thing we need. We have a lot of people creating podcasts and that's great. Everybody should get their message out, but I think we need to focus on getting more listeners. So one thing that I do is I have a podcast mentoring program with high schoolers in Chicago Mm -hmm. and none of my students had ever listened to a podcast or knew what it was when they were put into my program, you know, and none of my students are iPhone users. They all have Android phones if they have a phone and none of them had ever listened to a podcast. And in fact, I made the mistake of trying to explain that a podcast is like radio that you can listen to anytime. And they're like, Miss <laughs> Clunder, we don't listen to the radio. And I was like, okay. So I was looking for what is the way to describe this? And they're like, oh, it's like YouTube without the video. And I was like, yes, exactly. But now it's like, you know, we'd gone over, how do you find podcasts? Where do you go? And now they come up to me and they're like, hey, so I found this show on Stitcher. Hey, so I found this website called podcast.com. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Let's see if our show is there, you know, (laughs) but I love that they are now on their own outside of class discovering podcasts on their own and coming up and showing me stuff. And they're going out and telling their family and their friends, hey, check out our show. And sometimes it's the non-traditional things like check out our show. It's on our Facebook page or check out our show. It's on YouTube. They don't care about iTunes, Apple Podcasts. They don't care about Google Play Music. They don't care about some of them care about Spotify. Spotify is pretty hot with the teens. Yeah. But the thing they're like, are we on YouTube? Is our show on YouTube yet? Like, that's what they care about. (laughs) So it gives me hope that now they are out there sharing it with people who may never have or at least not for another 10 or 15 years have ever discovered podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see in the the next 10 to 15 years what happens with radio, because radio is going down slowly as Mm -hmm. podcasting is going up. And I don't think radio will ever go away because there's always live sports and live events and things like that. But it's going to be fun to see exactly, you know, what comes down the pike 
What is your best advice for an aspiring or new podcaster? I know that you've got like pages and downloads and podcast episodes full of good advice, but what is like the number one thing that you would tell new and aspiring podcasters? I've changed my answer. This is a new answer. It's you have to ask yourself, what are you willing to give up to do a podcast? Oh, that's good. And the reason for that is everybody that starts one goes, wow, this takes up a lot more time than I thought it was going to. I thought a 15 minute podcast took 15 minutes. And I always tell people it's at least four to one. So that 15 minute podcast is going to take you an hour unless you're going to have somebody else do the editing or something like that. So that's usually the first, not the first thing I'll ask. Usually I ask people why, why yeah. do you want a podcast? And if they go, that's ah, fun. I'm going to try. Okay, that's fine. You're allowed to do the the three guys, one brain show. If you want to go ahead, <laughs> but that would be the other one. What are you going to give up? And just when you first start, you're going to stink because the first time you tie your shoes, you stink. The first time you shoot a basketball, you stink. The, you know, everything you do, you're not good at when you first start, but there's no way to get good at episode 30 unless you get through episode one. And so just start and you'll get better like anything else. I'm a guitar player. When I first picked it up, I was horrible, you know, but you practice, you figure out what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. Maybe bring a little extra layer of skin on occasion. Somebody will let you know, hey, that was really awful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. But really, you just got to start. And I see people now, it's weird. There's a, we came up with a new like phrase for this. Cause if you quit podcasting, people will call it, oh, you pod faded. And now there's a thing called pre-fade. And this is where you've heard that you have to have 30 episodes in the can before you launch. Well, maybe you don't have, maybe you have to have 30 ideas first and you've got to do this and you've got this big launch strategy and people never get off the ground because they think they've got to tech all these boxes. And I'm like, no, you press record, you hit stop, you edit it, you upload it and go, boom, they're making it way too hard. And then they think they have to spend thousands of dollars on equipment. So all that's hoo-ha, just start and, and you'll get better as you go. And what about for the seasoned podcaster who's been doing their show for a while and they're getting more and more listeners and they're moving right along and they're kind of in that mid podcast career slump? What advice would you give that podcaster? Number one, whatever you do, do not look at somebody else's stats because I see people, hey, I hit a milestone. I got 250,000 stats. And you're like, really? Wow. How long have you been podcasting? Six months. You're like, well, I've been doing it six years and I've got, you know, 15,000. And let's say it has 15,000 downloads after six years. That person is having a blast because, oh my gosh, people are emailing me. I can't believe anybody's listening. This is great. I'm getting to talk to people I never got to talk to. And this is awesome. I'm so happy. Some person comes along with more downloads and they just steal their joy and trample it. And I'm like, wait a minute, 10 minutes ago, you were ecstatic. Yeah, I know, but this guy's getting more downloads and I don't understand why. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, and there was a thing when John Lee Dumas first came on the scene that I had to explain to people because they're like, podcasting doesn't work. And literally they were stealing his show. Like they were doing his exact show. Yep, I've heard that. And I said, said, well, wait a minute. I said, John doesn't have a job. He's got a lot of money in the bank because he was an army captain. And apparently there's not a lot of places to spend your money when you're in uh, Afghanistan. So he had a lot of money in the bank and he didn't have a job. He didn't have a wife and kids, you know, and meanwhile, you're working two jobs. You got a, a spouse and you've got three kids. You're not comparing apples to oranges here. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. So, and when in doubt, ask your audience. You can use Google Forms now. That's something I just realized I haven't done in a while. I used to do something like, hey, do you think the show's too long or too short? And if you ask that question, be sure to ask it at the beginning. Because if you ask it at the end, everybody's going to say it's fine because anybody that thinks it's too long is already tuned out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can make a form and just ask, what do you like about the show? What do you think I would do differently? 
If you have any suggestions for guests, if you're doing any kind of interview shows, and just ask your audience. I think that would be it. And remember why you got into it. And in some cases, if you're in that scenario where you're just like, ugh, time to make the podcast and you just read it, mm-hmm. quit. <laughs> Life's too short to do things you hate. I wouldn't do that the very first time you say that, you know, push through. Because there are going to be those times you're like, oh, I don't want to do it. But then a month from now, you'll be ecstatic. But I've had a couple, well, I've had more than a couple where I'll, I'll start it and I'm like, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And you quit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because when you stop a podcast that you're not having fun at, you have gained a huge amount of experience that you can use on your next podcast. Dave, this has been awesome, entertaining and educational. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> My job is complete. Is there anything else that you want to share with our podcast Envy listeners before we say goodbye? No, just hang out with Andrea. She's cool and she can steer you in the right direction and have her edit your show and anything else that she does. She seems like a really cool person. I can't wait to meet you at Podcast Movement. Yay! So that'd be fun. And I just appreciate very much the opportunity to come in and share with your audience. Podcast Envy is produced by your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. That's me. The Podcast Envy theme music is by Valentin Sosnitsky, courtesy of the Free Sound Project at freesound.org. And our podcast angel music is by Benjamin Masterpolito, also on freesound.org as Lemon Cream. All music is licensed under the Creative Commons. Our episodes are mixed by Edwin Ruiz. And hey, if you want your show to sound as good as ours, hire us. Put the magic audio mojo of the Creative Imposter Studios to work for you. Thanks so much for listening, and here's to making your podcast the envy of everyone else.